Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Online at www.com or the radio.com app. Welcome into what is going to be hopefully a massively fun edition of The Last Laugh. Of course, Anthony Davis over the weekend. We predicted it on Friday. Logan, who's behind the glass. Logan Falgu, our producer today. Uh, we predicted the one day that I was going to be out of commission. I was helping a friend with some stuff, and I was I was in North Louisiana, and I knew that that was the day, of course, this Anthony Davis trade was going to happen when I couldn't comment on it immediately, and it did. The Pelicans get what I think is a king's ransom in return for one year of Anthony Davis, and now we're past that, and we're to the point where we're going to start speculating on what the Pelicans do with all of these assets that they have in return, including maybe most significantly right now, the number four overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft that is on Thursday. We've got great guests lined up for you today, including Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, Tanya Ganugli, a Lakers beat writer for the Los Angeles Times, and Keith Smith, who covers the NBA for Yahoo Sports. Com. All of those guests will be in the 9 and 10 o'clock hours because this opening hour, the entire 8 o'clock hour, it's all about you and me. I wanted to clear this hour so we can take your calls and text and get your reaction to this blockbuster trade. You should know by now, but just recapping exactly what has happened, the Pelicans have traded Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers. They get Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart in return and three first-round picks, including, again, the number four overall pick, in this draft so our blue runner gumbo opinion poll quite simply asked you who won the anthony davis trade the lakers and anthony davis or the pelicans with all of those picks you can cast your vote at wwl.com or the radio.com app let's start with my opinion on this and folks i don't really believe that it's all that close i think the pelicans won this trade in a lopsided defeat, this would have been like a you know a two-round TKO if this were a heavyweight boxing match. And the initial reaction for me, I think, was similar to maybe most of yours on Saturday when we found this out. A little bit of a gut punch, right? Because the bully got what they wanted. It's tough to accept when somebody who's been beating you over the head for months acting the bully gets what they've wanted from you. But there's often times that those bullies got to be a little careful what they wished for. We know the Lakers and, and Anthony Davis, Rich Paul, LeBron James, pulling all these strings behind the scenes to orchestrate this trade. It finally worked out. They got the guy that they wanted for for a couple of years now. But here's the thing we must remember when evaluating this trade. We've got to remember it. Anthony Davis had only one season remaining on his contract with the Pelicans, and he was a gone pecan. He was out of here. He was going to enter unrestricted free agency next season. And 
not only was he assuredly gone from New Orleans, but it was highly probable, maybe even almost certain, that he would have signed with the Los Angeles Lakers anyways, folks. That's what he and his agents and all these leaks and rumors behind the scene, that's what they were all telling us for months now that he would sign with Los Angeles and wanted to get to L.A. They threw out New York, and they they threw out a place like, I don't know, Milwaukee. That was just odd. We all knew exactly where Anthony Davis was almost assuredly going to end up in July of next season had the Pelicans kept him or whoever got him after this one-year deal. Would have been the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Pelicans traded one season – one season of Anthony Davis, and they get back Brandon Ingram, 18 points per game, good three-point shooter. If he can stay healthy, we had people saying that he could be an all-NBA type of player. They get Lonzo Ball, issues shooting from anywhere on the court. But great defender, could be an elite defender soon, He is exceptional in transition, great facilitator. And for all the negatives that we've talked about, Lonzo Ball and his dad, he is extremely passionate about the game of basketball to a level that even exceeds the other, a lot of the other young stars and players in the NBA. That's only a good thing for him. And of course, for the New Orleans Pelicans, they get back Josh Hart. Doesn't look like he's going to be a star, but you've got to have pieces around stars when you're trying to win a championship josh hart shoots the three well defends well he's young you got six years of team control left with him and he's already going to be or projected to be one of the first options off the bench and in the rotation for alvin gentry who just signed an extension to his contract earlier tonight and then on top of that you get three first round picks including the number four overall pick this year and with a couple of those picks, one of them is a top eight's protected pick. If not, it'll go unprotected. But then the Pelicans would have the option with the later pick to swap it with that third first-round pick in 2023. Excuse me, in 2024, if they desire, they could go to 2025. That is an extraordinary haul for a guy you would have only had in town for one season. So right there, you've got to stop the presses, and the Pelicans won this on their side of the deal. Anybody trying to spin it the any other way than that is either an anti-Pelicans guy, lives in Los Angeles, or has their head so far buried in the sand, they haven't been paying attention. From a Lakers perspective, look, They had to get somebody next to LeBron James or there would have been a full-out revolt by the fan base and probably by LeBron James and, and everybody around him there. But they gave up five years of Brandon Ingram, six years of Lonzo Ball, six years of Josh Hart, three future first round picks, including the number four pick in this draft for one year of Anthony Davis. One year. If the Lakers don't win a title this year, and yes, they are the favorites to do that right now in Vegas, if they don't win a title this year with Anthony Davis, 
This is going to look like one of the more lopsided trades in NBA history in my mind. If they win a title, this certainly looks like a win-win for both sides. There's no doubt. LeBron James has done this before, by the way. He has played mercenary and puppet master behind the scenes for every franchise that he's been at. Did it with the Cavaliers, then the Heat, and Cavaliers again. Spent years shipping off draft picks and young players in order to bring in veteran players, sometimes stars, who LeBron James himself is comfortable playing with, and not the other way around. It, it, James is notoriously self-centered in how he's managed these situations. Teams must always make sure that the, these players can coexist with James. Never the other way around. I, I guess those are the perks of being one of the greatest players of all time. I get it. But the franchises that he's played for should see what this leads to. Folks, I'm telling you, once LeBron James is out of L.A. in three, four years, whether that's he's no longer there or whether that's he retires or whether that's his play has degraded to the point where he's no longer the superstar that he is today, Anthony Davis is going to have one hell of a time competing for anything there. They're not going to have any young players. They're going to have very few draft picks, if any. This is a win-now move, and Anthony Davis, who it looks like he's going to sign a long-term extension with that franchise, he'll be there almost assuredly past the LeBron James era, wondering what in the heck went on. The Pelicans are set up for long-term success here, and it's going to be a theme on our show that the Pelicans now must preach patience to the level that they have never had in their history certainly not in the Dell Demps era ESPN's Brian Windhorst who has been pretty pro Lakers throughout this whole process we've detailed it on our show great NBA insider he knows his stuff but he also has seemed like almost a megaphone for LeBron James clutch sports in LA during this process well you know what Brian Windhorst said about this trade Here's his quote on ESPN 710 in L.A. over the weekend. Quote, what they gave up for him is potentially scandalous. It's an unbelievable haul they gave. End quote. And you know what? I agree with him. And again, I'll say it. Pelicans win this trade now clearly. We will not be able to judge this trade fairly until many years down the road. When we know how Lonzo and Ingram and heart develop who the Pelicans get with these picks and exactly what happens in Los Angeles in the immediate and long term. But right now, folks, the clear winners in this deal are the New Orleans Pelicans. You can find my article judging the trade, grading the trade online, Pelicans clear winners in the AD trade up at WWL.com. I posted that yesterday. I also posted another piece that we're going to talk about later in this hour in why I think the Pelicans would be making a massive mistake if they trade the number four overall pick for a rent-a-player, and that seems to be the consensus by so many in the area and also across the country. I just don't understand why, but we'll get to that later in the hour. So much to talk about today. It's going to be a fantastic show, and we're going to ask you to weigh in now. Phone lines will be open for the rest of the hour. Phone number is 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The last lap just getting started. Pelicans 80. Talk all night.
years. But right now, this is a massive win for the Pelicans. It, it, it just is. And I tweeted this out before. The Pelicans now have multiple ways to really judge this as a win for themselves. Whether that's either, in my mind, either Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball, if either of those guys turns into an all-NBA player, they got themselves a win for one year of Anthony Davis. Or if any of these picks that they have turn into that type of player. Oh, and by the way, this was a better package than the Lakers offered them back at the trade deadline. So if you don't think their weight and leverage play, I'm talking about the Pelicans, that move worked. Well, it did in a big way. Let's get to some text and we'll get to the phone calls. Here's a text from the 985. Offer anyone not named Zion in a package for the number two overall pick. And then this person goes on to say, if you start this new era with Zion and Jot, it will be unreal. And with the assets the Pelicans have, the number two pick can be had. Well, it, it can, likely, but it would take probably the entire or almost the entire haul you just got for uh, for Anthony Davis to make that happen. I love Jaw. I, I spent shows and hours talking about it here. But it's not going to happen. The Pelicans aren't giving up those kind of assets. Text from the 504, you're a big-time homer. How I don't understand how I'm a big-time homer. Call me and tell me. Don't take these you know, gaslighting shots on the text line. Texts like that don't make sense. I'm not a big-time homer. I think my audience would push back on that and say, if anything, I'm the anti-homer here in the market, sometimes to my own detriment. This is a win for the Pelicans. It can be a win for the Lakers, but in my mind, only if they win a title this year because Anthony Davis was going to L.A. almost assuredly anyways in a year. That was happening. Nobody in Los Angeles is going to complain if they win a title about what they gave up, nor should they. To the phone lines we go, Stephen Homa. You're tipping it off for us tonight. What's going on? Hey, Seth, how you doing? I'm good. Um, I was call- I was calling uh see man, I'm so glad this guy's gone. It's unreal. I think we we did win this thing big time. Uh I was calling about Randall. What do you think the odds are or the chances are that we may still keep him? Yeah, that's a great qu- that's a great question, Steve. Um I, I got that one earlier today on on an interview that, that I did with Ben Mench who's on the program quite a bit. And I don't think it's necessarily a done deal that Julius Randall has played his last game in a Pelicans uniform. What he wanted to do, and this is exactly what he should have done, because he increased his value enough where he's gonna get paid more than that option would have paid him, is he's gonna test the market, try to sign a multi year deal with somebody as he's still young and developing, and then his next contract, if he develops and puts up the numbers maybe he'll get close i don't think he's a max type of player but maybe he'll get close to that type of money it just depends on the market if the market falls apart and there's not a big one for him yeah i could see julius randall coming back we'll, we'll keep an eye on that uh, percentage wise yeah it's look he, maybe 25 percent that he comes back but what i'm saying is it's not over yet patrick in algiers welcome to the show patrick you're up thank you sir um I believe as well that the Pelicans did win the draft, um, but but a text the trade you mean? Text trade. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They get get trade. So the text that a few seconds ago uh, text that John about John Morant. Uh-huh. So I don't think you have to give up everything to get him. If we give up Lonzo Ball. And Randall, or Lonzo Ball, and Ingram, or Lonzo Ball, and the fourth pick, we'll have one or the other left. 
John Moran is the best player in this draft, hands down. And You're talking about after Zion, right? No, I mean well, Zion. Zion. Williamson. Oh, but Patrick, Patrick, I just, uh, I, I can't, I mean, look, we got a lot of callers to get to, and I, look, that is your opinion, and I, your opinion is no more right or wrong than mine, but in my opinion, you're just off base there if you think John Morant is a better prospect than Zion Williamson, but look long-term, this is why it's opinions, long-term, you could be proven right, and I could be proven way wrong here, we'll watch it play out, but what I do know is Memphis is completely set on John Morant being their franchise cornerstone for many years and it's going to take and by the way they don't have Julius Randle anymore on the roster so they can't trade him but it would take a massive haul the number four pick probably Ball and Ingram probably those three pieces at least to get jaw and I don't think that the Pelicans nor I think they're going to do I don't think they're going to do it nor do, do I think they should do it appreciate the call Patrick let's go to Gary in New Orleans Gary welcome to the show hi Seth uh one question I had had to do with Julius Randle but I'll ask you about him anyway. How do you think if we kept him, he'd fit in with this group? I think it would be tremendous if we were able to hang oh. out to him. And then secondly, I don't hear anybody talking about Alfred Payton. So what are your thoughts on him and the team? Yeah, no, I, Alfred will be a nice piece behind Lonzo if he's still here. I don't necessarily know if he will be here or not. There's a lot of movement to come on this roster still with the picks that they have. But he'll be a nice piece, rotational piece, if he's still here. With Julius Randle, you're right. If he does stay here, it's just a money issue. And remember, it's a long-term thinking issue for the Pelicans. Because this team is not, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, this team is not going to compete for championships in the next few years, no matter who they bring in, as they realistically bring in. But Julius Randle, with the pace of play, that they're going to be able to play now with Lonzo Ball running the point for all of the issues that he has. He's exceptional in the open court and in transition. That fits perfectly with Alvin Gentry's system. Julius Randle also would fit perfectly with that. Just don't know money-wise if if the Pelicans are going to pony up what it takes, nor do I think they should pony up, you know, if it gets up to the you know $20 million a year range or so. I don't know if that's the kind of money you should throw at that guy. Uh, by the way... Lonzo Ball isn't going anywhere, folks. I've seen this all over Twitter today. Pelican's going to trade Lonzo Ball. That would be an all-time stunner. I'll explain why when we come back. The last lap just getting started. Phone lines are open, 504-260-1870. Call us, 60-second news break, and then more to come. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. Tonight, who won the Anthony Davis trade, Lakers or Pelicans? You can cast your vote, WWL.com or the Radio.com app. Two things I want to get to here. Number one, will Lonzo Ball be traded? Will the Pelicans ship him out of town? The answer to that is a resounding no in my mind. I can't see it happening. Folks, this franchise has spent the last seven years since Chris Paul left, searching for a young franchise-type point guard. Don't necessarily know if Lonzo Ball is that yet, but he's shown flashes of that, and he was the number two overall pick a couple of years ago for a reason. You're not going to trade that guy for for who exactly? Who exactly would you trade that for Lonzo Ball for? you got to give me these, these trade options here. 
I mean, you're not trading Lonzo Ball for Bradley Beal. You're not trading six years of Lonzo Ball for two years of Bradley Beal. Here's a text from the 225. I can already see the NBA scheduling the Lakers versus the Pelicans on Christmas Day. I will see something like that. There's there's little doubt about that. So we talked about the, the Pelicans coming in consensus winners in this Anthony Davis trade. Now we're going to spend the rest of this week, at least until draft day, talking about what the Pelicans might do with the number four overall pick that they got from the Lakers. There is now a coalescing of opinion around the city and also around the country that the Pelicans should look to move this selection in return for a veteran player that can improve the roster immediately. Guys like Bradley Beal of Washington or maybe Aaron Gordon, a forward over there in Orlando. I know this is going to be obvious, but I, I feel like I need to remind everybody who's listening this because we're, we're so over the moon with this trade and, and landing Zion that we need to be brought back to reality a little bit. The Pelicans are not in a position to compete for an NBA title immediately. I'll tell you, they don't appear to be all that close at all in this still-loaded Western Conference. It's not like just because the Warriors are going to play next season without Kevin Durant and most of the season without Klay Thompson, then all of a sudden this is up for grabs. The Lakers now are title favorites for a reason. They've got two of the five best players in the NBA on their roster now with Anthony Davis and with LeBron James, and they will add pieces around them. You've got Houston still with James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella. Denver and Portland still positioned to repeat their deep playoff runs. This core of Zion Williamson, Ball, Ingram, Hart, and Drew Holiday, yeah, that's a nice young core that's going to pair well together. But folks, none of those players made the playoffs last year on their respective teams. That is a hell of a leap to believe that just because they're in New Orleans now, they're a player or two away from competing for a championship? What? Long-term contention has to be the focus for the Pelicans. This is a long game that they are playing now. And I talked about patience at the top of the program. They're going to have to have a lot of it. Zion's going to need time to develop, just like LeBron did. LeBron wasn't the player he is now until about three years into the league. Ingram and Ball, nice players. They still have their issues, and they need to develop a rapport with everybody here on the roster, and also they need to get familiar with Alvin Gentry's system. It's going to be years, years, three, four, five years before the Pelicans are truly in position to compete for championships. Adding a veteran rent-a-player or two of those isn't going to change that. They've got seven now first-round picks in the next four seasons, five seasons. They're going to have multiple opportunities to find additional support for this core. And even if you don't think all those picks are going to pan out, the odds are they're going to find a star or two in that bunch. I mean, that's just the odds. Why would the Pelicans hamper this process by shipping away draft picks for a player who can only help them in the immediate? Talked about Bradley Beal. So many people still here believe that the Pelicans trade the number four pick and maybe plus things for Bradley Beal. Sensational young, relatively anyways, young guard for the Washington Wizards, but he's only got two years of team control left before he's an unrestricted free agent. Aaron Gordon seen his, has seen his name pop up quite a bit recently. He's got three years of team control left if they were to trade for him from Orlando. 
Clint Capella, three years left. I've seen two rumors, and I think these are rumors, linking uh, him to the Pelicans for that number four pick. And I also want to mention, you can forget any assurances that these trade targets would make about their desire to re-sign long-term in New Orleans. Are we just going to forget what happened with Kyrie Irving up in Boston? Folks, he was on mic at the Garden telling all the fans that he was going to resign in Boston months ago. And he about faced, and now it looks like he's on his way out. You can't believe anything these players say. I get that Beal or Gordon or the slew of other targets would improve the team's win total over the next couple of seasons. But the Pelicans are going to begin to feel the sting of those trades if those happen right about the time when Zion Williamson is rounding into form as what everybody expects to be one of the world's best players. And if we're talking about a respected locker room presence, a veteran presence, they don't need that with Drew Holiday on the roster. He is that. If Drew can't help develop these young players, Gordon or Beal or whoever certainly won't. And and let's just go ahead and play the what-if game here. Even if whatever veteran player did want to sign a new long-term deal in New Orleans when they were up for unrestricted free agency, that's only going to handcuff this franchise financially. Now, Gail Benson has indicated the franchise would go past the luxury tax threshold if they felt the team was close to winning a title. But they don't have the the financial resources of major market teams like the Lakers, Warriors, Celtics, Knicks. It doesn't mean when Gail Benson says they're going to go into luxury tax, they're not going to go into Golden State level area of luxury tax. Offering a player approaching his 30s, which is what all these guys would be, a massive long-term deal that's really going to hamper their ability to re-sign all these young pieces that they're bringing in. If there's a move to be made with this number four pick, I think it's trading back in this year's draft to acquire extra first-round selections. Chicago has been openly talking about moving up from the number seven pick. You have Atlanta, same thing. They've got two picks in the top ten, number eight and number ten. The talent between picks four and about 15 are relatively equal. That's how they've been evaluated. I think it would make sense to move back, if possible, bring in even more young talent to surround Williamson with. This is the old, you know, throw as many things on the wall, see what sticks strategy. But the Pelicans right now, with all of these moves that they made, with getting extremely fortunate in that NBA draft lottery, the land's number one pick they're going to use on Zion, they have positioned themselves eventually – to grow into an NBA behemoth. It's going to take some luck. It's going to take exceptional development, sensational talent evaluation. But above all, it's going to require extreme patience from those running this franchise. Do we we really need to rewind what has happened here the last seven years? Do we just forget about this already? Do we have amnesia? Dell Depps spent years, his entire tenure here, trading away young players and draft picks in this misguided effort to win more games in the short term because he and people in the front office believed that that was the only way to energize an apathetic fan base. They knew there was no true path to championship contention with those moves. They just wanted to win a few more games, try to get the fans and to put their pitchforks down. Those plans now we know backfired spectacularly. And they lit the entire Anthony Davis era on fire, mummified it in irrelevancy. 
And now we have some people who have lived through this wanting the Pelicans and David Griffin to make the same mistakes that Dell Demps in this franchise made before? Haven't we all learned our lesson yet, folks? This is not hard. This stuff is not hard. You are not going to convince me, even if the move is made, that trading the number four pick for a rent-a-player like Bradley Beal is the right idea. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody on that, and I have very good friends of mine, friends of mine who know basketball as well or better than I do who think that, but I'm not coming off that. I've seen too much of this here in New Orleans the last decade. Patience. That's the word that we're going to have to use for the next few years as they develop this young core into a team that can possibly compete for a championship. 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. We will get to your phone calls when we come back, uh, plus some texts at 870-870 as the last lap continues on WWL. I want to read a text that I got to my personal number by one of my friends. We were discussing Pelicans possibly trading for Bradley Beal, moving the number four pick for him. And he read my article and listened to my monologue there. And he says, I get what you're saying, and I can't argue with playing the long game, but to pass up on Beal for the number four pick, who might be nothing more than a bench player, I don't know. And and what my friend is right about yeah you don't know what's going to happen with the number four pick you just don't a lot of times in the nba these top draft picks they don't pan out and and they're gone in four years sometimes less than that but you get two years of bradley beal and that's it what what is bradley beal going to help the pelicans with in in the next couple of years before he's an unrestricted free agent i I want you if you're a pro bradley beal guy or gal out there and want to see that happen what is he going to add the pelicans next couple of years more wins okay How's that going to help the Pelicans? you think they're going to be a championship contender in the West with Bradley Beal? you think they're going to be a top four uh, seed with Bradley Beal when you've got Houston and the Lakers and the Warriors and the Blazers and the Nuggets and others out there? What are you playing for here? Sneak into the playoffs? Cost yourself a lottery pick? Doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me. An opinion. I'm not stating a fact. But I think my opinion is close to fact on this. It doesn't make sense. And and I have never had, at least over the last couple of weeks, a more firm opinion on a, a possible Anthony Davis trade than this one, and specifically with Beal. Don't like it at all. Let's go to the phone lines, 504-260-1870. few lines open for you. Sherman on the North Shore, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good evening. Evening. Um, I agree with you completely about what kind of trade the Pelicans should be looking for. Uh, for example, what I think they really ought to do is look for teams who need some salary cap relief, guys who are under perhaps bad contracts that are expiring this coming season, and teams that, such as Milwaukee who will give up a pick just to get rid of a contract. Don't worry about winning 20 games this year or 30 games. You're going to be in the lottery anyway, mm-hmm. so why not take a guy like Ilya Sova from Milwaukee who's looking to trade their late first-round pick just to get rid of him? Yep. Yeah, and look, I, I I think you're right here. It's That's right. And I'm, I'm not necessarily even – I don't even necessarily believe that this team and how it's currently constructed can't necessarily make a 
run into the playoffs. They're far from top echelon, but things go right. They gel. Could they be, you know, eight, seventh, sixth seed? Yeah, it's possible. Adding Beal might make that more of a sure thing, but that doesn't help you in the long term. I mean, what do Pelicans fans want with this era? You have been gifted again. The what everybody believes is going to turn into the best basketball player on the planet in Zion Williamson. This is a bigger gift than you got when Anthony Davis was drafted number one overall seven seasons ago. If you want to light this thing on fire, like the previous era with AD was, go down that same path. I cannot believe that we have some people who have watched that happen in this market with Dell Demps for the last decade trading away all these young players, all these young picks in a misguided effort to win a few more games, satiate a fan base that has been so apathetic, energize them. We have seen this play out before. We've seen it. They don't have the financial resources. We've got to be realistic about this. They don't have the financial resources to go extremely far over the luxury tax threshold to a level like, oh, the Celtics did before or the Warriors are doing now. They've told us, or at least reports have indicated, that, yeah, they'll go into the luxury tax somewhat if they're close to championship contention, but they don't have the financial resources to go $60 million you know, into this luxury tax. Seventy, eighty million dollars in tax they'd be paying. Come on. Here's a text from the five hundred four. Please tell David Griffin to keep the number four pick and draft a player. Text from the nine eight five at eight seventy eight seventy. Griffin knows what he's doing. I trust his judgment on this. However, I would like to see us get a free agent to mentor Zion at his position. He doesn't have to be high priced, just high character. You don't need that in the NBA. LeBron didn't have, uh, you know, a star to mentor him at his position. Michael Jordan didn't have a star to mentor him at his position. Anthony Davis didn't have a star to mentor him at his position. I think it's very nice and and maybe even necessary to guy have a high character NBA pro on your roster but the Pelicans have that with Drew Holiday who is respected as much as anybody by his peers across the NBA and you've got him in town at least under contract for the next three seasons you don't need to double up on that oh and by the way Bradley Beal play in the same spot that Drew Holiday now is expected to play with Lonzo Ball in town that'd be a pretty odd lineup you throw Lonzo Beal and Holiday out there at the same time 504-260-1870. That's the phone number to hop on in. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'll give you an update on that opinion poll when we come back. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. Who won the Anthony Davis trade? You tell us. Lakers or Pelicans? Back after this on the last lap. On. You don't want to repeat the mistakes you made in the Anthony Davis era. You want to build this so that in three, four, five years, the Pelicans have a true championship contender. You can't snap your fingers and make it happen in this league. You got to develop talent. You got to evaluate talent, and you got to have patience. Everybody wants to hate the Warriors, and again, this, for everybody, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sound like somebody who is talking down to people who don't realize this but 
the Golden State Warriors were the laughing stock of the NBA, one of them, a decade ago. They spent 35, 40 years in almost exclusive irrelevancy. They had a plan that the Pelicans should follow. That is draft your way to contention. They drafted Steph at number six, Clay at 11 a couple of years later. They got lucky with Draymond later in that draft. They realized they had a core then, and then they went out in the trade market, got Andre Iguodala. Then they added pieces in free agency, and they became a destination in free agency. They didn't try to make this happen overnight. Pelicans must at least take well multiple pages out of that Warriors playbook. To the phone lines we go. Mike in New Orleans. What's up tonight, Mike? Hey, what's up, my friend? Hey, hey yeah, look, look, we, we, we saw this. Uh, I think we saw this before. All right. It was Anthony Davis' full year when, when he finally made the playoffs uh, with the Pels with uh, Dale Downs, correct? And they had Mine Williams. It was, it was supposed to be uh, they made, he, they made the playoffs earlier than that, I want to say. In his, was it third, third year? Maybe third or fourth year. Yeah, something like that. I have to go yeah, back. It was the third, yeah. it was the third of the four. And they didn't win our game that was against Golden State. Correct. Yeah, they got and swept. They had them fired, mine and Williams. A lot of people, it was like 50 mm-hmm. Some people thought you should have been five. Some people thought you shouldn't have been five. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, but, uh, uh, Miami really tried, and Dale Jeffs, they tried to put the team through the draft. But after they got eliminated in the four straight games, they abandoned that plan. Yeah. And that's when they started with the free agency. And yeah, sure. And this is, and, and Mike, you make everything you're saying, and Mike, you're making a great point here. Right, we've got more callers I want to move on, but everything you're saying is right. And I at least agree with the premise of this and that you, you, I guess, uh, abandoned your plan in some desire. And I'm not trying to be repetitive here, but to win more games now and you mortgage your championship future by those moves that Dell Demps made. Don't make those mistakes again. Thanks for the call. One more. Debbie, we've got about 30 seconds. Debbie and Bogalusa, what's going on? Debbie, are you there? Debbie is not there. We're going to put her on hold. Be sure you turn down your radios when you call the program. We'll get some more of your calls next hour. Who won the Anthony Davis trade? That's up at WWL.com. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. 80% of you saying the Pelicans. 20% are saying the Lakers. We've got some guests next hour. Ali Cosell will lead it off for us. Editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. And Tanya Ganguly, Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. She'll join the program. More of your calls and text all hour. It's all Anthony Davis, all Pelicans talk here on this Monday as we review the blockbuster Anthony Davis trade that sends him to the Pelicans and gets, I shouldn't say, excuse me, sends him to the Lakers and gets the Pelicans back a trio of players and a trio of picks. We're going to go live on Facebook, WWO Radio Facebook page, and we'll talk about again. Why I believe are clear early winners of this. Yes, we're not going to be able to fairly judge this deal for years, but early reports are in. You know, the round two scorecard, round one scorecard, and it was all Pelicans here. I've also told you why I think it would be a massive, massive mistake by the Pelicans to trade that number four pick for any type of rent-a-player. I've written about both those things. You can find them at WWL.com, also the radio.com app. Our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll at WWL.com. Who won the AD trade? 80% of you right now saying the Pelicans, 20% are saying the Lakers. We'll have Tanya 
Again, Julie, Lakers beat writer for the LA Times, coming on the program at about 940 to give us a Lakers perspective of this trade. But right now, we're going to get a local perspective from Ollie Cosell, our friend and editor-in-chief at thebirdrights.com. He's on Twitter at Ollie Cosell. Ollie, what's going on, man? Busy weekend. It finally happened. Yeah, it sounds like it may have ruined your weekend as well. <laughs> but, hey, happy to be past it finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be past it. And and from a Pelican's perspective and, you know, basketball fans here perspective, Ollie, I, I, I just love what they got in return, a bigger haul, a better haul than they would have gotten at the trade deadline. And that at least in that sense, the leverage play worked. I totally agree with you. And I'm kind of still shocked to hear some takes where people think that the pre-trade deadline deal was better. I don't see it. I mean, they must not understand the value in the draft compensation because that's truly where the meat of this lies. You know, when I first heard Seth, I'm sure you did as well, you, you heard the Lakers, you know, he's going to the Lakers, you weren't all that, you know, excited because, hey, he's going there. And let's face it, they and everybody else involved, like Rich Paul twisted the alarm with the Pelicans, but he, having just Lonzo come back, Ingram and Hart didn't really, you know, float your boat because that's not the star player Griffin was looking for. But then when you saw all that draft compensation, you saw all the details, yeah, that made the deal. And then, Seth, people have to take into consideration what else was out there. You know, you can't grade this in just a vacuum, right? You've got to take it into context, the fact that the Celtics were not going to include Tatum with their Memphis first uh, future pick. That's a valuable asset, along with Jalen Brown. Denver didn't even want to give up Jamal Murray. You know, people don't understand, but the teams were jumping because, let's face it, Rich Paul kind of did a number out there to where the teams didn't want to give up everything they had for a truly what appears to be a rental year for AD. So the fact Griffin was able to get all this out of the Lakers, yeah, it's a complete and utter victory. Yeah, and, and Ollie, they've gotten two guys now in this trade that have been former number two overall picks, and they have the number four overall pick this year. I understand if there's hesitancy, and there should be, and there's question marks with Ingram, and there's question marks with Lonzo Ball, and certainly with the number four pick. But just like you just said, trading one year of AD for all of this plus Hart and two other first-round picks seems an extraordinary haul to me. It is because you really have, you know, that's automatically six young spins of the wheel, and that's not even counting a late pick swap. It's not counting that one of the picks will likely end up as in the, the 2022 double draft, which means that that's the year the high school players come out, along with those that were forced the year before to go to college for a year. There's a lot of extra stuff here, and Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, yeah, they haven't looked like the stars yet, but guess what? They're only 21, year old, 21 years old. There's a lot of prospects coming out that are older, that have less game. And here's another thing I want to throw at, because I heard you talking about this, Seth. Is I think that it's almost a positive sign that the Pelicans are looking to the trade that fourth overall pick, because that, to me, is a vote of confidence in Ball and possibly Ingram, right? When you look at where this number four pick's going to fall, who's available, who's supposed to go in that range, three of the four are guards. That's the last thing this team really needs at this moment. Now, suddenly hey, developing a guard when got, you want to have a good look at Ingram, Ball, you're going to keep Drew, and you've got some other guys on the bench. Josh Hart's a good player, right? So it's, it really – I understand every move now, and I'm not all that upset by the number four pick, but overall, getting back to what you said, Seth, yeah, this looks outstanding. Every, a lot of needs were addressed, plus the future. We're going to have – Griffin's going to have a funnel of talent, a pool of talent coming this city for the next 
seven years, and that's outstanding. Yeah, is what is it? Seven first round picks in the next four years, or eight and five, or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's an incredible yeah. haul, like you just mentioned. It's Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights joining us, editor in chief there at Ollie Cosell on Twitter. Okay, the number four pick, and and I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I wouldn't mind seeing this tr- trade happen, but I hope it's for picks and not players, Ollie. But I do at least I think, and maybe I don't understand this right, but I think I'm in I'm in a pretty small minority here locally thinking that. Yeah, you are, because a lot of people are excited and possibly getting a young star player that Griffin didn't get in this draft, and it's understandable. I mean, the Pelicans have had interest in Bradley Bull before. They struggle with shooting. Kind of at first glance, it makes sense. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's a star out there's name that I've heard that is a perfect fit for Drew and Zion. I don't think the solution is if we're going to commit to uh, Lonzo, Drew is going to gut it out, then suddenly you're adding another 6'4 guy to that line. I mean, that, that's already – you don't want any kinks, basically, when you're doing a true, good, honest rebuild. So if there's any kind of hesit- hesitancy with any players because of some you know, perceived weakness, I don't think they should look that way. So I'm with you. I don't think there's a star player that I think Griffin should jump at. Now, if there's a good low price, he can you know buy buy low on somebody. Great, do it. But I really truly think that he's going to trade that four pick in a really similar scenario to what we saw with the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks last year, where the Mavs Cuban he needed to get Luka Doncic. He did. He moved up two spots, and what did he give away? Two first round picks. Mm-hmm. I can foresee Chicago or Phoenix or somebody else that needs one doing the same thing because. You know, Chicago's sitting there seven. Chances are they're not going to get either White or Garland. I'm guessing that's going to be one of the two they really want because they need that point guard hole filled up. So flip that seven pick back to New Orleans, get a future first for the number four. I would be happy. And i got to mention this. I think there's a chance Boston may be in on this, right? Kyrie Irving, by how looks, is gone. He's done. Terry Rozier, are you ready to give that guy 35, 36 minutes a game? I could honestly foresee Boston calling Griff and saying, hey, we're interested in the number four pick because Danny Ainge, he's going to have a big hole there at point guard. And honestly, that number four pick can bring him any of those names that I just mentioned uh, to him. That would be highly interesting. There's also Atlanta, right? They have those two picks, eight and ten. They're a possibility. I think they've been openly expressing interest to move up. Maybe the Pelicans could snag both of those picks, Ollie. They could, but I don't see why Griffin would honestly do this, Seth, because that would be such an influx of young talent on year one. And let's face it, this draft is not considered by a lot of talent evaluators to be one of those prime drafts that you want to sink in a lot of assets, take a lot of swings. I mean, Zion, their, their second-round pick, you've got Lonzo, you've got Ingram. I think the plan is just to have a nice funnel, and you, you just want to basically um, – use these assets, either develop them as they come along from draft to draft, or you take a swing at a big star, but you don't want to put all of them in one draft. I get the sense that Griffin really wants his team to be competitive. What I mean by that is it's not win now, but it is to add some veterans on short-term contracts like a Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, because you know what? Zion's going to come in this league, and, and Nancy Lieberman told me this last week. She's right. These young guys, even though they're talented, even though LeBron James didn't really have the role model, you still need some solid veterans to show the ropes, keep that locker room loose, the practice floor, when when four or five losses happen in a row. So I foresee something along those lines happening. It's Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights. Ollie, I've, I've heard this over the last two days, and I think it's absolutely crazy. A lot of people think Lonzo Ball could be flipped and he'll never play a game in New Orleans. Is that as crazy as I think it is? It is. I, I don't find any validity in that statement at all. 
I mean, I've talked to Alvin at length, and we we always during before and after media sessions, we he always talks with the beat writers and you know Lonzo. And after the AD trade request, of course, you know their prospect, their young core came up a lot, and he loves Lonzo. I I view Lonzo as being definitely that that cornerstone or the potential cornerstone of that package, not Ingram and definitely not Hart. So. I foresee that they're definitely going to kick the tires. They're going to commit to the kid. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me he suffered through some kind of confidence issue. You don't become a 41% free throw shooter because you just can't shoot the ball. I mean, the monthly splits show he degenerated every uh, every month. And you go back to college where he shot 67%. His form actually looked bad, better last year. You know, he's not flinging that ball from that left shoulder nearly as much as he did in his rookie season. So he was trying to work on his shot. I have a feeling something with, you know, Let's face it, a little confidence issue when LeBron James shit basically hit the yeah. fan over there in Los Angeles. So all that surrounding controversy probably affects him. I think getting his head clear here, and he's got a world of talent. Look, I think that's why people that are excited and him understand this. He's one of the best facilitators in the game now. That's what an Alvin Gentry offense needs. He's a great defender now. Imagine how much he's going to learn from Drew. I mean, if he just knock down that shot with a little more regularity, I think he's going to be a really quality point guard in this league. Uh, finally here, um, what do you make of the, the long-term outlook for this franchise? When do you believe, if, and, and obviously this is speculation here, but it's fun speculation now that all the pieces are in place, Ollie, how soon do you think they can compete, legitimately compete for championships? How many years is that going to take? History says you should give it about a five-year buffer. And then when you look at the careers of Jordan, LeBron, you know, Giannis just now in his fifth year getting the Bucks far into the playoffs, it typically takes, no matter how good the player is, that's how long it takes. Because the player individually has to uh, rise up, understand, learn all the nuances, and develop their game, as well as the team around them. You know, they've got to be built accordingly. And that takes some time. But I think we could, you know, legitimately start having this conversation saying about three years. I mean, if Zion develops quickly, if David Griffin does his job and surrounds him with the right-fitting talent, Drew's already in place, Lonzo may already be the guy, Ingram's a toss-up. You know, if just one of those guys pans out and then a few others are added, I could see a couple deep playoff runs coming up stay within about three years. Ollie Cosell, he and his team at thebirdrights.com covering the heck out of this story, and they will be up and through the draft and up and into the free agency period. Ollie, always appreciate the time, bud. Absolutely. Thanks, Seth. Take All care, right. buddy. You're right. Ollie Cosell, at Ollie Cosell on Twitter. Now we turn it back over to you, the audience. What do you think of this trade? What do you think they should do with that number four pick? Who won this trade? Everything AD and Pelicans at 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. And, of course, our text line is 870-870. Here's a quick text from the 985. Would love to see the Pelicans trade for Lori Markinen of Chicago. If they made him available... Everything I've seen is he is completely off limits, so not going to happen. Back after this, it's the last lap on WWL. Well, we got some great reaction coming into that text line. Here is one from the 985. Build through the draft. If and only if you become one player away, then sign a max player like Toronto just did. Yes, build through the draft. That's how you sustain success in the NBA. Toronto has been on the precipice of championship success for years now. It took a superstar like Kawhi Leonard to make that happen. 
They didn't have one on their roster. Luckily for the Pelicans, if everything goes as planned and if Zion is as good as everybody thinks, they'll have that superstar already in place. They'll just have to put pieces around him. That makes it a lot easier. Give you the golden, have given you the Golden State Warriors analogies before and how they drafted superstars and then surrounded them with talent. They got lucky to draft three of them, one of them in the second round with Draymond Green. Here's a text from the 504. Are we bringing in Culver, White, Garland, Hunter before the draft? At four, draft one of them or trade for the other ones from Atlanta or maybe Chicago. Yeah, spot on there. And I think that text was actually sent before Ali Cosell was on, but that is exactly what Ali Cosell said and kind of I echoed. So it's like we're all on the same page. Text from the 337, Pelicans won't get anywhere with a million rookies. Next season, we'll have 10 players still on their first contract with a ton of upcoming first-round draft picks. Most picks will end up being nothing. Beal is a star that helps you win now and in the future. The goal is championships, but you have to make the playoffs before you can win it all. I don't understand how you think Bradley Beal is going to help you in the future. You're, you're acting like you have information that nobody in the country has, that Bradley Beal is going to re-sign here after he becomes an unrestricted free agent in two seasons. That is the only guarantee that you would have with Bradley Beal. You would be trading eight years of at least one player, but perhaps more if you can flip that for multiple picks from Chicago or Atlanta, like most people think. If that's the case, then you're sacrificing eight years, possibly, of team control with two players for two years with Bradley Beal. And I will go back to it. Anybody who thinks that, you know, if Bradley Beal gives you, you know, assurances that he'll re-sign, that's a deal that you would make. Again, just pay attention to what's happening with Kyrie Irving up in Boston. He gave those, uh, uh, that franchise assurances. Oh, and he gave those fans assurances when he went on an open mic <laughs> at the Garden and said, I'm going to resign here. And then a couple of months later, changed his tune and now it looks like he's out. Text from the 714 LA fan here. Hi, LA fan. I think you won. Keep dad away. <laughs> We've been talking about that. Keep the four and all the number ones. Pelicans will be fine. The Lake Show will have so many, quote, superstar, end quote, issues. Here in L.A., they're hard They are hard on bringing others. The Clippers most likely will be the winner in this town. We'll see. I, you know, look, from a Lakers perspective, this is what I will say. In, in all objectivity here, they can consider this a win if they win a championship this year and a big win. And we're going to win a championship unless they brought – Anthony Davis and or Kawhi Leonard to town since the diminishing prospect of bringing Kawhi Leonard in town after he won a championship and he's beloved up there in Toronto you had to take a massive swing at Anthony Davis and you made it happen we also saw tonight that Alvin Gentry will have an extra year as head coach in New Orleans as the team exercised its option for the 2020-21 season I was announced today by David Griffin who also said, quote, we couldn't be happier to extend our relationship with Alvin. He is exactly the right coach at the right time for this franchise, end quote. I do like his up-tempo style that Gentry brings. It's going to fit well with Lonzo Ball, who plays in the open court and in transition, um, as well as any maybe, you know, second-tier, third-tier point guard in the league. Ball's got his issues, but he's also got his upside. There's a reason he was the number two overall pick. I love Brandon Ingram. 
Ingram should be here for the next handful of years. It's still going to RFA, and unless something drastic happens next season, that the Pelicans are going to match any offer that Ingram would garner. Averaged over 18 points a game last year. Three-point percentage went down from 39% to 33%, but a lot of these issues for the Lakers last year were products of just that dysfunctional situation when LeBron James midseason tried to orchestrate a trade and get all of those guys out of there. How would you like working with somebody and next to somebody for months who was open that he didn't want to work with you anymore? I understand it from them. From their perspective, phone line open for you to sound off on this 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Tanya Gunjuli, Lakers beat writer for the LA. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, WWL.com, radio.com app. Simple question, who won the AD trade? Pelicans, Lakers, and right now, just a tick under 80% of you saying the Pelicans. I think it's clear right now the Pelicans won this deal. And unless everything falls apart, they will consider this a win from their side uh, You know, throughout this process as we judge this many years into the future. Think about this from a Pelicans perspective. You've got so many ways to win this trade. Brandon Ingram becomes an all-pro, an all-NBA kind of guy. Alonzo Ball, if he becomes an all-NBA player, if whatever picks that you get from uh, whether that's the number four pick if you draft somebody or if you trade that and draft somebody this year and you'll have at least three picks first round picks from the Lakers if any of those picks turns into you know an all NBA kind of guy or if all these players just develop and maybe they're French all NBA guys you win this trade there's so many ways to win this trade from a Pelican's perspective it's just a slam dunk considering you only had one year of Anthony Davis, and you swung it into all of this. And I think the backlash and some people saying, well, maybe the Lakers won this trade. Maybe they do, and they consider it a dual win, but it's going to require them to win a title. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. We had a Facebook Live at the top of the hour, like we always do at 9 o'clock Central Time, on why I believe the Pelicans will be making a massive mistake by trading the number four overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft for a rent-a-player like Bradley Beal. Here are a couple of comments on that video from Pedro Valadares. Gentry is still not the answer long-term, and the Ball family can create a cancer for this team. We need to either get Barrett or Reddish. Well, Barrett's not going to happen because you're not moving up to three. I don't. Gentry may not be the answer long-term, but I think he deserves a chance with a team that is not plagued by the issues of their former, former general manager. Richie Matthews says, after four seasons, Zions will be history, folks. No, well, Richie, you got to pay attention to how the NBA works with restricted free agency. What happens is, first-round picks, you get four years under contract with the team that drafted you, and then you enter restricted free agency. What that means is that the team that you're on will have a chance to match any offer you get in free agency. So, for example, just throwing this out here, let's say that you get through those four years and the Lakers offer Zion a max contract for four years. Pelicans can match that and he stays here, which they obviously would, unless somehow Zion just doesn't develop. And I don't even want to think about that. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Here's a a comment from Alston Tyler. We have a good front office to build this team for years to come. We do. That is the in David Griffin, we trust mantra. 
Richie Matthew is all over this. He's put four comments up there. If you know Richie Matthews on Twitter, you might want to call him to see if he's okay. He's really fired up about this. I don't know if he's a Lakers fan or, or he's maybe, uh, you know, had a little too much sauce tonight. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> the people are giving him the business on this video. Uh, you know what? Uh, forget me and what I said. Just go to this Facebook Live video just so you can see what Richie was going through here. He was going through it with these comments. Pretty entertaining. Back to the text line at 870-870. Text from the 504 with Zion, Ball, Ingram, Drew, who will be our three-point shooters. Well, Brandon Ingram has shown that he can be a sensational three-point shooter. Shot 39% in his rookie year. I'm going to discount his injury plague last season. Not only injury plague, but all the distractions there. He can be a very good three-point shooter, and I expect him to develop into that. Drew is an okay three-point shooter. Zion, I don't know. Will he develop that? LeBron wasn't a great three-point shooter when he came into the league. He is now. At least a very good one. Great maybe overphrasing it for LeBron. You think Zion can't develop in that way? I think he can. Text from the 714 from L.A. again. Hope you understand the seriousness of dad ball bringing a show to New Orleans. Not good. Man, I, we've, we've understood that. I'll tell you this about LeVar Ball, and I'll be extremely serious about this. I refuse. I absolutely refuse to give this jerk, and I'll use that word here, a platform on my show, and hopefully we don't on our station, and here's why. It's simple to me. It has nothing to do with him being braggadocious, or him being in the media and front and center all the time. But he has crossed the line with some comments in a pretty severe way recently, just a couple of weeks ago, that he was talking about Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers, and saying that women shouldn't own professional sports franchises because they're too emotional. His words, not mine. That's almost a direct quote. Look it up. This was just a couple of weeks ago. He's never walked back or apologized for those comments. Those are about as misogynistic as they come. I got to give that dude a platform. Not going to do it. And everybody in this market all of a sudden fawning over this clown? Give me a break. It'll be better than that. Text from the 225. They're not moving Lonzo. He was one of the prizes. Get over it. Uh, Lonzo is a good player. I never said they were going to move, although I think he may have been talking about somebody who was on the earlier. But, hey, you know, we don't know. I mean, I'm not 100% sure they're not going to move Lonzo. I don't have any information that says with a surety they won't. We'll take a break here. When we come back, Tanya Gnudli of the L.A. Times, Lakers beat writer there. We'll get a Lakers perspective from this deal. And, look, if you're listening from L.A., sounds like we got a couple listeners there. Stay tuned. As that is next here on The Last Lap. Basketball world is ablaze with takes, some of them hot takes, breaking down this Anthony Davis to Los Angeles trade. We've got you covered at WWL.com. A lot of analysis there. Also, a lot of analysis coming out of L.A., and I'm very curious to talk to our next guest to take the temperature over on the West Coast. And we'll bring in Tanya Gangley, who's the Lakers beat writer for the L.A. Times, at Tanya Gangley on Twitter. And Tanya, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So uh, uh, how is this playing in L.A.? What's, what is the temperature after this trade was consummated a couple of days ago? The thing that I've learned with uh, anything that happens in L.A. is that people are very people are conflicted about it. Um, because for the last several years, the Lakers were sort of trying to do this two-pronged approach. They were trying to save salary cap space so that they could land big free agents and be able to pay them. And they were also trying to preserve their draft picks and develop players and 
these young players that they've drafted, people have grown really attached to them. Um, so there, there are some people who feel bad that they're not going to be rooting for Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram or Josh Hart anymore. Uh, but I think there is a lot of excitement because definitely, you know, people are, I was at a baby shower when the trade broke and everybody was asking me, are they going to get him? And immediately people felt like, okay, now the Lakers are contenders for a championship again. Yeah, it's certainly, well, look, they're favorites in Vegas right now for everybody who doesn't know. Yeah, it's seven or two, so about three and a half to one favorites or exactly three and a half to one favorites in Vegas to win the title next year. And was this about winning a title in this next season, getting one more championship window with LeBron James, uh, Tanya? Because it certainly sounded like in everything that we've heard that LeBron James, excuse me, Anthony Davis was headed to L.A. almost assuredly anyways come next offseason. Well, here's the thing about almost assuredly. That doesn't mean for sure. Yep. <laughs> and the thing that the, the Lakers have really learned that the hard way over the last couple of years, Paul George was almost assuredly coming to L.A. after spending a year in Oklahoma City. But when Paul George sat down and thought about it, he, it, you know, it, it created – it created some discontent for him. He didn't like the fact that when the Lakers had the chance to go get him, they didn't. And that that annoyed him a little bit. And he also really liked his experience in Oklahoma City. So if the Lakers had allowed somebody else to trade for Paul George, I mean, I'm sorry, to trade for Anthony Davis, they could have been faced with the same situation. And that was a risk that they really didn't want to take. Yeah, that's a great point. Is it as simple in L.A. as if they win a title with LeBron James and Anthony Davis together that they'll consider this a win, if not maybe a a disastrous trade for the franchise? Absolutely. I mean, so I I, I guess I'll catch that a little bit because it'll be a disaster if they aren't competing for titles every year. Um, if they if they win one, it'll definitely be considered a success. Uh, but, you know, the thing that happened last year, I mean, last year, a lot of people argued that it was the most disappointing season in Laker history because it started with this euphoria over signing LeBron James. And then due to several different factors, they missed the playoffs again for the sixth straight year. And it's kind of Laker fans aren't used to that. They're, they're, the team has never missed the playoffs that many years in a row before. And people were very frustrated. So, I think that if they're, you know, and the other thing to remember, too, is, like, if they're missing the playoffs after this, those draft picks that the Pelicans are getting suddenly become much better. That's a great point. Tanya Gangley, who's a beat writer for the L.A. Times, covering the Lakers there. Um, how close do you think the Lakers are to true championship contention? I mean, Vegas thinks they're already going to be here, or at least going to add the pieces to get there. What do they need to add this offseason to um, – to compete with the Warriors and the Rockets and the Denver and everybody else and, and maybe, you know, get a step ahead of those franchises? Well, they don't really have any guards anymore because they traded them all away pretty much. Um, they uh, Rajan Rondo was here on a one-year deal. Um, I guess Lance Stevenson was also here on a one-year deal. Lonzo was their first-string, sometimes second-string point guard, and Brandon Ingram was their third-string point guard. So uh, that's going to have to be something they address. Um there was a thought that perhaps they'd be able to get one of the stars that are going to be available in free agencies, Kyrie Irving, Kimball Walker, but that's looking, it's looking unlikely that the Lakers are going to have a cap space to sign another max guy because of the way this deal was done. And so uh, they're going to have to be really smart. They're going to have to go out and get the right role players. And we have no idea if they're capable of that because they certainly didn't do that last year. Tony, can you give us perspective on, on how you evaluated uh, Brandon Ingram and his three seasons there and Lonzo Ball and even Josh Hart and their two seasons there and, and how their, you know, the reality of their play maybe conflicts or aligns with their potential? I think it's, 
especially with Brandon and Lonzo, they really took big strides over their time with the Lakers. Um, defensively, Lonzo became really good. He was really important to the Lakers on defense, and there are a lot of numbers that you can point to that when he was out with his injury, they really struggled without him. Um, what he's going to have to work on is his durability. He's, of course, never stayed healthy for a full season. and I mean, it's only been two seasons, but he's he hasn't stayed healthy, and so that was a problem for the Lakers, um, and they are that's something that he's going to, that hopefully will change about him. Brandon Ingram was really starting to figure something out last year. Um, you know, they, he was the second overall pick and they really invested a lot of time in him. They hoped that his, I think like the hope was that his, when his body fills out, he'll kind of look a little bit like Kevin Durant. Um, and he really started to learn how to use his length to his advantage defensively. And when it came to finishing plays uh, offensively, because that was something that he didn't really he, it was almost like he, he didn't understand how much of an advantage it could be, the long arms he has um, to, to his game. And he, he started to understand himself a little bit better as time went on. Uh, how, how much of the, the struggles with, with Ingram and Ball, certainly shooting-wise for Ball all over the court, including from the free-throw line, 41% from the free-throw line, how much of that do we attribute just to the dysfunction with Los Angeles last year, especially after the rumors of you know them shopping those players in an Anthony Davis trade leaked? I always wondered about that because I, I remember asking one of the, one of the veterans about that once too because it's really odd. The Lakers have brought in guys that used to be good shooters and then they come to the Lakers and they can't shoot anymore. Um, like they're missing open looks. Like Reggie Bullock was one of those guys. He was shooting pretty well before he came to the Lakers and then all of a sudden it just went south and he was not the guy that the Lakers thought they were going to get. So um, it's you know it's interesting. That that's really interesting to me. I don't. I mean. Lonzo, Lonzo is a pretty good shooter in college. He so far hasn't been in the pros, and he's he's also had some trouble finishing at the rim, which I think he's getting better at. But um, but you know these are it's all part of their evolution. And shooting was absolutely something that the Lakers really desperately needed and still need uh, on their roster. Tanya Gangley, uh, Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. Uh, you you referenced this earlier. The, the sticking point now, uh, post I, I guess at least handshake agreement with this deal, is when this trade will. I used the word consummated. That was probably wrong earlier because it's been agreed upon. Uh, when it gets consummated now is actually the sticking point here. And from a Lakers perspective, they want to move this back for everybody listening to late July, as with some salary cap rules that'll allow them some cap space to sign a max. Uh, player in free agency but the pelicans have already agreed or sounds like the agreement is july 6 so immediately when it's first possible and that would benefit the pelicans but hurt the lakers are they still negotiating over that tanya i i mean i don't negotiating might be a strong word they are i i think the pelicans are open to it it's going to depend a little bit on what the pelicans end up doing with that pick do they still have it on thursday um and and, you know, I, I, I think the most likely scenario is that it, the trade remains as it is now, which is completed, executed on July 6th, because that's a really long time to ask anyone to wait. And I don't think the Pelicans want to do that. If they're drafting someone fourth overall, I would think they would want them at Summer League or at least be able to start working with them then. Um, and anyone else who's doing that would also want the same thing. So I, I don't I, – I mean – what I've been hearing is that while the Pelicans are willing to listen and if something happens to work out, there's, 
They might work with the Lakers on it, but it's unlikely that that's going to move. I would imagine there's nobody more thrilled about this, maybe Anthony Davis, but outside of that, LeBron James himself, because he got the guy that he's been you know, wanting for a couple of years there, Tanya? Yeah, absolutely. And he knows, I mean, it was hard for him last year. I don't think he realized coming in how hard it would be. Um, I don't think he realized just, you know, like the the way that the season unfolded was just not what anyone expected. I don't think he realized how tough the West is, honestly. And so um, I think this is this. I'm sure he was delighted when this finally went through. It's Tanya Gangley, a Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. You can follow her on Twitter and, and be sure to do it right now, especially right now at Tanya Gangley on Twitter. Tanya, always appreciate the time. Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. I'm sure. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. So the, yeah, the deal is complete. The trade is complete, but now we've got so many other aspects of this that are still yet to be figured out. We told you the July 6th or, or late July when this deal will actually go through and, of course, what the Pelicans do with the number four overall pick. We've been talking about that. Phone lines are back open for you throughout the program, the end of the program, which will be 11 o'clock Central Time, so about an hour and 10 minutes, 504-260-1870. That's area code 504 260-1870, wherever you are in the city, in the state, in the country, give us a call, and you can text us at 870-870. Back after this on The Last Lap. All right, it's my daily call-out of one of our texters who sent a novel to the text line from the 504 saying that I don't talk any Pelicans. What's going on? Uh, you need to listen to my program more. Because I don't think there's anybody that spends more time talking about the Pelicans on a three-hour radio show in this market, maybe anywhere in the world, than I do. <laughs> You've got to listen more. I just spent an hour and 40 minutes talking strictly about the Pelicans. I thought it was uh, nice, not not just appropriate, but I thought it was great, the perspective we just got from the fantastic Tanya Gangley, who gave us the reaction from Los Angeles. Come on, texter, get over yourself here. And also listen to the show more. If you like the Pelicans so much, why have you even been listening to my show longer? We cover this so well. So I invite you to listen every single day as we dedicate a healthy chunk. And when I say healthy chunk, an hour plus almost every day to the Pelicans on this show. When almost nobody else is doing that. We have a couple of other things we're watching just to quickly get to those. And, of course, it's all Pelicans in the final hour. Cam Jordan, uh, details on his new contract with the Saints are out. The deal will pay him, with the extension, $71.6 million over the next five seasons. The deal does include $41.7 million in guaranteed money. So Cam Jordan getting his. You can find that story online, www.com. Mark Menard, the headline, Cam cashes in. Also watching the College World Series, two games in the books. Michigan Shuts out Florida State 2 nothing. Only three hits for Florida State in that game. And Arkansas, they fall a short against Texas Tech. So Texas Tech and Michigan, your winners today. Arkansas and Florida State, uh, your losers. 80% of you on the text line still saying the Pelicans won this trade with the Los Angeles Lakers. Certainly want to know how that poll goes. I'm surprised it's not higher, frankly. I want to know what the 20% see where they think that the, the the Lakers won this trade. But call me and tell me. Give me your opinion. Let's go to the phone lines. Pierre in New Orleans. What's going on, Pierre? Hey, what's going on, Seth? How you doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'm great. This is, this is the good, days we good. live for in this biz, man. It's like it's a 
good day, good day, good trade. The only thing I don't like about the trade is the Lonzo Ball situation because I just think, it, you know, it is with his dad is a circus. His dad is a circus. I don't think we need that around uh, Zion, Zion Williamson. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. But if, if his son turns into either a, an All Star type player or an All NBA type of player, would that make your issues with his dad fade away a little bit? Yeah, and maybe if they can find a way to, uh, you know, tamper him down a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can, you know, find a way to tamp them down. Yeah. You know, and and you, you end up being a good player. That, you know, I can, I can see that. Yeah, I, I'm with you here, Pierre. Here's what I will say. LeVar Ball, Lonzo's dad, has been in the public eye making these comments. I will tell you that Anthony Davis's father wasn't in the public eye doing this, but he was causing scenes and many of them with the Pelicans away from the public eye. Things like walking into Del Demp's office or Alvin Gentry's office after losses, Regas and Ruckus. It wasn't good. Jimmy, who wants to talk Pelicans? Um, I don't want to squeeze you. only got about 20 seconds, Jimmy. So we'll get to you next hour. And also next hour, we'll have Kevin Smith, NBA writer for YahooSports.com. And more of the discussion on just who won this Anthony Davis trade. What do you want to see the Pelicans do with that number four overall pick? All of your reaction. This is your show now. And you can line up those calls at 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart are now Pelicans, and they get three first-round picks from the Lakers. Multiple stories on this online at www.com on our Pelicans section. One more hour of the program to go. I'm Seth Dunlap. This is the last lap on WWL. Sports will be on the program in 10 minutes or so as we'll discuss, of course, this Anthony Davis trade and what the Pelicans are going to do with the number four overall pick in this upcoming NBA draft on Thursday. Most people expect them to trade that pick, whether that's for a player or future picks. We'll get into that. We'll grade the trade. We're also taking your calls at 504-260-1870 and the text line, 870-870. Here's one from the 985. Don't see Davis staying healthy. Great trade for the Pelicans. Well, Davis hasn't really stayed healthy during his career. So you're, it's not, let's say, wild speculation there from the 985. Text from the 985, I like the idea of LeVar Ball giving the Pels free publicity by cheerleading for his son and for the Pelicans. Free publicity, sure, but that is a volcano that has erupted way too many times before, and and I like to move myself away from that immediate area. Just, and I think it deserves to be said, when you put yourself in the public spotlight like that, you get the criticism and scrutiny that comes with that especially if you're doing that on your own and you're actively pursuing that just a couple of weeks ago lavar ball was talking about how genie bus shouldn't be an owner and women shouldn't be owners in pro sports because they're too emotional that's about as misogynistic of a comment as you could have that was atrocious and we've got gail benson who's done nothing but act exemplary in her time as the owner of the pelicans and of the saints I'm not going to give that dude a platform. And uh, look, I'll, I will uh, plead to my fellow media members here in New Orleans and in the region, don't do it. And you're kind of selling your soul if you do something like that just because you want a few more views, likes, and clicks. I don't sell my soul that way. Let's go to Jimmy, who wants to talk some Pelicans on the phone line. Jimmy, thanks for hanging on. What's up? Hey, what's going on, man? 
Oh, you know, yeah, not just a boring day here, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going over the weekend's trade. You know, I'm a big Pelicans fan. I, I really I have some concerns. I think we could have done worse. I don't think people realize that a lot of teams, based on what Davis and his representation were saying, were really going to bite on a guy with one, one year left. I mean, the Lakers, he's got a house out there. If the situation was the best with the Lakers, I wish we would have got Kuzma. I wish we would have gotten rid of the Solomon Hill uh, contract. That didn't happen. So on some levels, I'm, I'm happy. On other levels, I'm you know disappointed. I I agree with you. I well, think well let me break it down. Uh, let me break it down, <laughs> and you can continue. The Solomon Hill contract doesn't really matter, Jimmy, anymore because they're not going to compete, and they're not trying to compete for championships immediately, so they don't need the cap space. So the Solomon Hill okay. part, Solomon Hill part doesn't really matter. I agree with you with Kyle Kuzma. He would have been preferable, but in trade negotiations, you're not going to get everything you asked for. But just because, uh, y- you know, I guess you win a game. Let's just put it into an analogy like this: just because you win a game by nine runs instead of ten runs doesn't mean you still didn't blow the other team out. And that's what I think happened with the Pelicans here. Yeah, I mean, look, um, um, look. This this is the good news. We got Zion signing on and drafted here this Thursday. I'm looking forward to the Pelicans draft party at Fulton Street. I hope you come out there to Manning's Thursday, Seth, and the WWL crew. I hope y'all set up out there. It's going to be pretty cool. I plan to go. So the good news is we got Zion. I mean, obviously, the videos have surfaced. Alonzo Ball saying New Orleans is creepy. It's a dirty city, stuff like that. I, again, the, the the drama that comes out of this guy's mouth and his family is questionable. Yeah, I mean, is it, you know, it's no, it's it's it's, it's really questionable, Jimmy. And we're up against a hard break because I want to make sure we give Keith Smith time. But I look, I I share your concerns there, and I am not going to do what so many people are doing right now, and that's backtrack off of that just because. He's raw rawing New Orleans, and his son's going to be playing here. Hopefully, you know, for the next six years plus. I'm standing my ground, saying, uh, "Look, the dude's a clown," and I hope he's not a distraction here. But I wonder. If you're on the phone lines, we'll definitely get to you before the hour's up. But again, Keith Smith, NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, coming up after this break as the last lap continues. Welcome back to the show. If you're on hold. We'll get to your calls. We got to take a quick break, hard break for CBS News. But a lot of people want to sound off on this. I know. Well, look, we we serve the service industry here on this program. A lot of you getting off downtown New Orleans, around the city, around the states, and your chance to sound off on the Anthony Davis trade. Who do you think won this trade? Lakers, Pels, and what do you think they do with that number four pick they have in Thursday's draft? More to come. Thirty more minutes. The last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the program. Let's get to a couple of texts and then some calls. One from the 504, a text at 870-870. Let me tell you, bro, if the Pels can't build a winner with this deal, they never will. What do you think? Well, you never say never, but this is certainly going to be their best opportunity, you would think, (laughs) for an extended period of time. You don't luck into the number one overall pick in the lottery very often, and you parlay that when it happens the year that the most highly regarded talent in perhaps since LeBron James, so a couple of decades comes out. Yeah, that those are odds that you're unlikely to ever repeat again in our in our lifetimes. So this is their best opportunity. There's zero doubt about it. Text from the 504. What about Ingram's health blood clots? An issue, but. 
the indications are it won't be an issue this next season. We'll go to Ryan in Metairie. Ryan, thanks for holding on. What you got tonight? Yeah, I'll make a couple points. The first point people forget about Lonza is this. Uh, the family with LeVar, LeVar's going to have two main focuses before Lonza this year. A, he's got a son who's going to Australia. He's going to focus on getting him to pro NBA basketball. The second one is the biggest one. People forget that Lonza has been in L.A. most of his life, went to UCLA and went to Lakers. LeVar's got to focus on his wife right now. His wife's still recovering for a stroke. So I think the best thing that happened to Lonzo is get away from the Los Angeles area, get away from his dad. Things going to yep. flourish in our system. Oh. People forget all that. No, I have Ryan. It's very convenient for the ball family to control Lonzo's life being in L.A. Well, I think you bring up good points. I think you bring up a good point here. And thanks for holding on and thanks for the call. And that's something I mentioned earlier in the program, that getting – Lonzo Ball away from Los Angeles, away from where he grew up, and his you know friend groups, good and bad. There, every young guy or gal has those good and bad friends in the place that you grew up in, and groups that you hung with. That sometimes it would benefit you getting away from. Distance can be a good thing here, and we'll see what happens. I'll go into this with a wide open mind on Lonzo, assuredly, and perhaps a lesser to a lesser extent with Levar Ball. But I want to get to another text here about LeVar from the 504. I think you should judge LeVar Ball on his relationship here. That whole Lakers thing was toxic. Have you ever said something you didn't mean in a toxic situation? Well, I'll tell you, I've never said something like, oh, women shouldn't own sports teams because they're too emotional. Paraphrasing there, but those are almost exactly what he said. I mean, that's and that was recent. That's and he's never apologized for it. So it'd be one thing if he said that a couple hours later, day later, says, "Man, I was just upset. I really apologize." He's never apologized for that. So a, I've never said something like that. B, I have said things that I regret in the heat of anger, passion. But if it's something I regret, I always apologize for it and admit my mistakes. He's done neither of those things. It's the reason that I will not be giving that dude a platform on my program. And hopefully we don't on this station. I'll be very open about that. Kristen and I were having a conversation about just that before he went on the air today on Sports Talk. Thanks for the call, Ryan. Let's go to George. You want to talk some Pelicans, George? What's up? You're selling this like it's a good trade. This is not a good trade. There's nothing about this that's exciting. Maybe the, the, the future lump sum of draft picks. But you're saying Lonzo Ball, is, is, is he's not much more than Alfred Payton. He's a fine passer and a great defender with great speed, but he can't create his own shot. So to think that he is the centerpiece of an AD trade is a huge mistake here. We get, this is not a good deal. Brandon Ingram has the potential to be a great player. He's got great length like Deshaun Prince, and he can be smooth like Jerry Stackhouse. But he's like a mummy out there on the court. He doesn't have any killer instinct. He could be so much better. But these are not the guys you want to surround, surround Zion with. And, of course, we need to trade that fourth overall pick for a veteran. Or you're going to have the blind leading the blind. You need some veteran leadership. <laughs> There's like a the lot third. to unpack here. I'm not going to hang up on you, George, because now I want to have a back and forth. I gave you a minute, and I, I disagree with almost everything you said there. But now let's have a back and forth about this. You said this is a terrible deal. It's a terrible deal to get this 
these three players and three first-round draft picks for a player that was going to walk away in a year? You define that as a bad deal? Yes. Okay, for many reasons. One, in the future, beyond the fourth overall pick, the Lakers are going to be contending. I don't care about the Lakers. Back up, back up, back up, George. This is not about the Lakers. This is about the Pelicans. We're getting their draft picks. So when we get their draft picks, we're getting the back end of the first round. So those first for when do you know when LeBron James is a free agent again? In three years. In three years. In three years, and he'll be then he'll be thirty eight years old. Two of those. Kemba Walker on that team too. This is Kemba Walker's going to be joining that team in this. You you have you have information that nobody else out there does that Kemba Walker is ready to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. It's on Roto World NBA. I'm not the only one that reads it. (laughs) Well, Roto World NBA doesn't know anything that the rest of the world does. George they just don't and you're ready to call you also think I just want to get you on the record here you also think that Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are both scrubs unworthy of playing in a Pelicans uniform okay let's let's rephrase the word scrub here okay Alfred Payton to Lonzo Ball it's a marginal difference I don't even understand that I, I don't understand how you think that George wait how do you think that Lonzo Ball who who is a a already one of the elite defenders from the point guard position elite might be overphrasing very good I think everybody that I've talked to and all the NBA insiders I've talked to said he's going to be an elite defender if he isn't already he's an exceptional facilitator in the open court he averaged 10 points a game this last year on a dysfunctional franchise and by the way that's more than Alfred average here he stays relatively healthy I don't understand how how you think that year two, only two years into the league, that Lonzo Ball is somehow less than Alfred Payton. I mean, that is that is the hottest of all takes I've heard all weekend on this. It's not less. It's a marginal difference. And they're per 36 minutes. If you look at their stats, it's very comparable. This guy. Year oh, two in the league, George. George, this guy's year two in the league, and he spent last year on this. Are you trying to say that the, that the Lakers somehow did a good job of developing their young talent? I'm saying this guy is not this hero that you're portraying I'm him not, to be. I, okay, that's fair, but I, I want to be clear here. I'm not portraying him as a hero. I've always said that I don't, I don't, I've never used that word that you used before, centerpiece. I never thought that Lonzo was the centerpiece of this at all. I don't know if there is a, a technically a centerpiece. I think it's the sum of the parts. We have Brandon Ingram, who averaged 18-plus points a game last year, that when he was healthy, shot nearly 40% from three, that you have ex-NBA players and NBA insiders who agree that he has a ceiling that is a first-team or second-team all-NBA player. That's Brandon Ingram. He's six foot nine, can play the four, three, two, and one position in this league. He's a developing defender. You got him. You got Lonzo that we just talked about. Josh Hart off the bench, eight points a game. Looks like he's when he, he's going to shoot high thirties, low forties from three. Very good defender. You have six years of team control of him. You got six years of team control of Lonzo. You got five years of team control of Ingram. You got a f- number four overall pick in this draft. You got two future first round picks both of them can be after lebron james leaves when he's up for free agency or he's going to be 38 years old in los angeles those are unlikely at that time going to be late super late first round picks and even if they are even if they are 
You got all of this for a guy who's going to walk away for free in 12 months. The Pelicans would have got squadoosh in 12 months for this. Boston was no longer willing to part with Jason Tatum. George, I agree. And I talked about it for weeks here. That was the piece that I wanted to see in an Anthony Davis deal. But when Boston isn't willing to part with that piece and they weren't willing to offer up any package that was anywhere comparable to what they got from Los Angeles, you can't say, well, the Pelicans should have done X when X wasn't a possibility. It just wasn't. And I'll go back to the analogy I used before, and I really mean this. This is like you're blowing a team out by 40 points. Well, you don't beat them by 40. Instead, you beat them by 30. Are we still not going to call that a blowout? I mean, if they added, let's say they swap out Kyle Kuzma for Josh Hart, there's your 40-point blowout. That didn't happen, so now you're at a 30-point blowout. That doesn't mean that the Pelicans didn't win this trade, didn't blow the Lakers out in this deal. Almost everybody agrees. And I'll quote Brian Windhorst again, who was uh, he's a great NBA insider, works for ESPN. I don't think most people would agree. Almost everybody would agree. He seemed pretty pro-LA LeBron during this whole situation. I don't have a problem with Brian. I'm just telling you the truth there. Here's what Brian Windhorst, who again is about as pro-Lakers as they come. Here's what he said about this deal from a Lakers perspective on ESPN 710 in Los Angeles. Quote, what they gave up for him was potentially scandalous. It's an unbelievable haul that they gave. And not all the details are out there yet, but when they got out there, you're going to see why. It's the Nets-Celtics trade part two. It's going to affect them long after LeBron is out of his prime and maybe no longer on the team, end quote. I agree 100% there with Brian Windhorst. But that was a good back and forth, George. Appreciate it. And thanks for listening. We'll get some more of your calls when we come back. If we have time for sports libs, we'll do that too. 504-260-1870. That's the phone number to reach us. We've got three phone lines open for you. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The last lap. AD trade version of the program continues on WWL. $1 million now he'll make over the next five years in New Orleans. Both those stories online at WWL.com or the Radio.com app. Talking a lot of Anthony Davis, trade to the Pelicans, the reaction and fallout from that, and what they'll do with the number four overall pick. Back to the phone lines we go. Tony in Chile, Gentilly. What's going on, Tony? It's really not chilly there, is it? Yeah, I know. This humidity is killing you. You know, I guess we'll be chilly maybe in about another six months. Yeah, there so it's still chilly, Gentilly, there later this year. But, uh, yeah, I just want to comment on your uh, topic tonight, uh, Anthony Davis. And, you know, a lot of people are upset with, with the eyebrow because he wanted to leave New Orleans. Well, I mean, why haven't they built a team around this superstar for a number of years? I blame that on, obviously, Dell Demps, you know, and obviously he was replaced by, uh, you know, this guy we have now. And it looks like he, he wants to build a championship team here. But uh, I guess his mind was already made up that he was going to, uh, you know, uh, exit the team and he no longer wished to be in New Orleans. I guess he wanted to play uh, with LeBron James, and I guess his wish came true. It did come true. And you know what, Tony? I have shared your thoughts on Anthony Davis wanting to leave New Orleans for months i have said i have no problem with that because of the relative dumpster fire that it's been here around him the inability to surround him with enough talent to truly compete for championships has been a failure by this organization from the top on down and i begrudge him 
not at all for wanting to leave. Now, what I do hold against him is his actions and the actions of his agent and those around him while they've tried to make their escape from New Orleans. I think he has acted like a petulant child at time. I think his agent has acted in a highly vindictive way that has crossed the line of professionalism. But as far as him just wanting to leave, I, I don't begrudge him that at all. And maybe in 10, 20 years, we'll look back fondly on the Anthony Davis era, at least more fondly than this, and more fondly on him. Thanks for the call, Tony. To Dan, we go on the phone line. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, Dan. What's up? Well, I was- Oh, I would say that AD was pretty good uh, when he first came with the Pelicans, but he became toxic uh, right before he announced that he was leaving. I was just thinking, you know, they've got to get rid of this guy because, uh, you know, he wouldn't throw anybody the ball. When he came on the court, all the other guys would just stand there because they knew that he was going to be a ball hog. And it, I just, it got to where I didn't even want to watch him play. And it was so great when he announced that he, uh, that he was leaving and then they, they put him on the sideline. Man, it was you know, it was some good games then we could watch. But uh, when he was playing, it was just horrible. Yeah, I think a lot of that, though, Dan, it was after the trade requests. I don't really, I didn't really see any no, really that was, wired. No, that was before it. I, mean, I remember about a month before, I was thinking, gosh, we've got to fire this guy. I said, he's ball hogging. Go back and go back and look about a month before uh, he said anything. And I don't, know if, I don't know if I just caught on to it then or if he, you know, if he was saying, you know, he had already made up his mind then that he was leaving because it was horrible. I mean, he would come on the court, and all the guys would just stand there. Yeah, it's it's, it's the isolation ball. Uh, it's the isolation ball, Dan, that I don't like in the NBA. And the Pelicans, when they brought in Alvin Gentry, they built a system to get away from that. A lot of the injuries the first part of the year forced their hand into running a lot of those sets. And if that's what you're talking about, that's not selfishness or ball hogness. That's just isolation ball in the NBA. And let's be honest here. He was your best offensive weapon, and it wasn't even close. A guy who shot over 50% from the floor. And a guy who, last couple of years, was over 33% from three-point range. I didn't really have a problem with Anthony Davis being the focal point of the offense. I do share your dislike of isolation ball. It's one of the reasons why I just I don't like I don't like watching the Houston Rockets play. I mean, it's 48 minutes of that every night. Or more if they go into overtime. Man, one of the, the Rockets are in trouble. They went all in to win a title the last couple of years around Chris Paul and James Harden, and now they've got those guys under contract worth between seventy and eighty million dollars the next two seasons. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in trouble. Although maybe with the Warriors decline, maybe well, they got a shot to win this thing. Five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. That's five zero four two six zero. 1870. Our text line's 87870. More of your calls are out of the show. Plus, I will acquiesce one time to the wills of our audience. Our moment is in. will be a LeVar ball. This is for you, not for me. This is by popular demand. Some things uh, he said after his son was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. The last lap wraps up next on WWL. To James in Marrero. James, you want to talk about this trade? What's going on? Yes, sir. I really enjoyed your show tonight. I agree with a lot of what you said, Seth. The one thing that I want to say is we got three lottery picks so far. And most of the, of course, the number four picks going to be a lottery pick, whether we keep it or not. And I think most of these players will develop more. They're very young. And if you look at Ball when he was in college, look at his statistics. You you know more about basketball than I do. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think he's under a lot of pressure with his dad. 
and, and Los Angeles. I think you will come around and shoot better. We'll see, though. But I like to trade. I know you're short on time. There's a lot of things to say. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate it, James. Going back to his time in UCLA, at UCLA in college, to what James was saying, he was a 67% free throw shooter. He was, uh, I want to say he was right around 33% from three. Those numbers plummeted in the NBA. Obviously, it's a longer distance, um, three-point range, but you don't see that precipitous drop from free throw percentage without some, some things going haywire. The, the relief of pressure when he moves from the LMA market to here, that was already going to be a factor, a positive factor for his development. When you factor in that he gets maybe a little further away from his bombastic father, I think that also makes it a pretty big win for Lonzo Ball. And hopefully he'll be here for six-plus years, and that means if that's the case, Pelicans are rolling. They're winning a lot of games eventually, and maybe competing for championships. Text at 87870 from the 504. I'm excited about the future of the Pelicans. Drew, Zion, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. Hashtag go Pels go. Yeah, hashtag flock up, right? Here's a text from the 985, Ryan from Metairie. Cut me off. <laughs> Cut me off. One more point. The best trade scenario is to move four to six to get Mikhail Bridges as a backup plan for Ingram. And one of the three players they wanted, Garland, Culver, and Hunter. The two most likely trade partners, if you're going to trade back in the draft, it looks like are Chicago, who holds pick seven, and then Atlanta, who holds picks number eight and number ten. Ollie Cosell, who was on the program earlier tonight, thought that the Pelicans would stay away from adding multiple picks in this draft. So in other words, trading back and getting both the number eight and number ten picks from Atlanta might not make a lot of sense, according to Ollie. Maybe it's something like Atlanta would trade the eighth pick this year and a first-rounder next year, something in that vein. We'll see. A final look at our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Who won the Anthony Davis trade, Lakers or the Pelicans? 84% of you saying the Pelicans. So that ticked up a little bit throughout our show. Tomorrow on Sports Talk with Bobby Aber and uh, Christian Garrick, well, it won't be Bobby Aber. It'll just be Christian Garrick. They'll be talking more about this. They'll look forward to the training camp that is six weeks away, Saints training camp. I, look, it's a little summer break from football, and frankly, I could use a little football refresher. <laughs> I think we all could use just a little bit of break from football. Not a big one, just a little bit of a break. We had a Facebook Live video earlier tonight. I was going back and forth with you all on why I don't think the Pelicans should trade that number four pick for a veteran player like a Bradley Beal or an Aaron Gordon, and why I don't think that would make sense at all. You can find that video on our Facebook page, WWL Radio Facebook page. Also, I have my column today on just that. Right now, it's the headline piece at WWL.com. The Pelicans would be making a huge mistake trading the number four pick for a rent-a-player. That's the headline. Again, WWL.com or the Radio.com app. Also, Alvin Gentry had his contract extended by the Pelicans. Dave Cohen wrote about that. And the details of Cam Newton's contract extension with the Saints. That's now online at WWL.com from Mark Menard. Thanks to everybody who made the program possible. Guys, uh, nice job back there tonight. Also, Todd Manessis helping out during the day. Diane Newman, our program director. Tim Zimmer. 
Uh, booking the show earlier today. Thanks for all your help, Helen Santani, one of the producers during the day at WWL.com, also helping out. If you missed any of the show, you can check the podcast version of the show on demand at radio.com, WWL.com, and you can find it, WWL. Uh, radio.com app and apple podcast i'm seth dunlap we'll be back same time same place tomorrow we'll hand it off to beyond reality radio and as always i leave you with our moment of zen again popular request here i've acquiesced to you courtesy of westwood one here's lavar ball lonzo's dad speaking about his son getting traded to the pelicans this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.